Welcome to the M3 Bare Essentials Podcast. My name is Malcolm Travers. Each Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern, I invite the editors and contributors of Mail Media Mind to introduce a topic of their choosing. Our conversations are on social issues, entertainment, mental health, sexuality, relationships, or whatever makes us mad or makes the news. Each of those discussions is about three hours, but in the Bare Essentials Podcast, I edited it down to about two hours. If you would like to view the full podcast recording, visit MailMediaMind.com and subscribe to our YouTube channel. From YouTube, you should receive notifications when we go live, and you can comment and leave questions in the chat while we record. It's October 2nd, 2016, and welcome to the M3 Sunday Hangout. Um, my name is Malcolm Travers, Editor-in-Chief of Mail Media Mind. Hello, I'm Marco Estes. I'm the M3 Entertainment Editor, <clears throat> and I am in the, I'm basking in the afterglow of watching Luke Cage. Hey, hey guys, this is Lonnie of Lonnie's Life Lesson and also Late Night Bear Chat um, coming through with the M3 crew. Hey, guys. Hey. <laughs> and uh, Derek. Good afternoon. Yes, good afternoon. Uh, Derek Jones here, M3 contributor. Contributor to Papichulo Radio, just having a wonderful time living my life. Um, I think what Derek had mentioned earlier, like I didn't even know about the shooting that happened in LA, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, recently, um, it's just been a yeah. lot of black, uh, uh, a lot of killing of blacks. And yeah, can we stop calling killings and like call them assassinations? Like, I'm really, I'm getting to the point where. It is, mm-hmm. you know, when they call them police-involved shootings, it, because, I don't know. I'm no, sorry. my, sis, my so sister, my sister, my sister actually came uh, out, assassin. my sister actually came oh. up with a very good uh, term, since we're real big on radical in this mm-hmm. country, she just calls it radical racism, Yeah, which I think is absolutely mm-hmm. great, because, you know, you, you ask the average black person walking the street. What are they more afraid of? ISIS with a bomb or the police with a handgun? And yeah. you'll get the police with a handgun every time. Yeah, and that, that's the thing. Like, I, it's not even, I, I know we're focused on police shootings, but I think it's just, you know, the idea of black lives don't matter as much. So that if you get shot by anyone, the, pers- the perpetrator is less likely to go to prison. Yeah. Know? So really quickly, since uh, Lonnie mentioned it, um, there's still a lot of details coming in, uh, and I've been reading up on it. Um, this was a routine traffic stop. There were two uh, black men in a car with a paper license plate, and like, apparently the police thought that the car might have been stolen, um, so they tried to stop the car. The the um, car didn't stop. They gave chase for a few blocks. The two guys in the car did jump out the car and took uh, and started the foot chase um, in different directions. Um, one of the officers shot the guy who is uh, 18 years old. Oh, jeez. Um. When did this take place? This this has happened in the last twelve hours. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and that's yeah, because the updates are still. I'm I'm on CNN right now, and the updates are still coming in. So 
it, yeah, it just, hasn't hit the it hasn't hit the national news yet because everybody's talking about Trump and his taxes right now. But yeah, it, this is, but it will soon. This is the thing I was saying. Like, um, there is sometimes like a picking and choosing of these stories because yeah. started at like one the 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 tweet started at like one thirty two o'clock this morning. Yeah, I had to like inform someone like these shootings happen every week. Yeah, you know it's not like there's here and there. It's just some of them outrageous more than others, and sometimes that that bothers me too. The politics or the the cultural. It's you know, a, it's a story that you can sell. Right. It's usually the there's some video or audio to go along with it. Yeah. You know, usually there's some sort of heartwarming story, like the fact that this the victim has children, has a family. I mean, everyone has a family, but it's just much more likely if there is a family to speak for them that it becomes a story. I mean, there's all these little variations, but people are dying every fucking like every three days, you know. Almost But was the car stolen though? Uh still not sure yet. Yeah. Not, not, there's not a lot of there's there's not a lot of because this just happened less than twelve well about twelve hours ago. There's right. still not a lot of detail yet. They haven't released the officer's name. Yeah, um, and, and so that was part of the thing. Like I was supposed to be doing a, a podcast with uh, Jimmy this Friday, and we were uh, supposed to be speaking with one of the um, the candidates for the sheriff's department of DeKalb County, right? And you know we're we're gonna talk we're gonna talk about you know Black Lives Matter and protests and those things you know law enforcement in general but um, and I think actually Jimmy was able to do the interview without me but I was um you know one of the things I wanted to talk to him about was you know if you're interested in doing activism you know you know marching or protesting for a single shooting to me seems like you need to change strategy I know that this is supposed to be the heartwarming moment that drives people to action. But honestly, there's so many of them that people get lost in the details of individual people uh, and realizing like it's a macrocosm issue rather than a, you know, I know we have to, I don't know. The whole point of the Black Lives Matter hashtag was to make you care about people, but I don't know if you can make people care. <laughs> I just want the laws changed. You know what I'm saying? Well, there's a couple things. I don't know if I don't know that it's a lack of, when you say you want people to care, I think you have mm. to be more specific about who you're talking about. Um, yeah. Because I care. I, I, yeah. I care because I don't want young black bodies littering the street. I care because I don't want to be a young black body littering the street. I care yeah. for a number of reasons. Yeah. But I'm also not out here explaining off how justifying how these things are okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, secondly, as far as changing the law, what law exactly, you know, do you want to change? There was the shooting in North North Again, when I started talking about the shooters, I have to be very clear because so many of them happened. I don't want to confuse them. Right. Yeah. The shooting of the man in North Carolina who broke down on the road. Yeah. You know, and the officer who shot him is now up on manslaughter or no second degree second degree murder charges okay. i believe yeah um which you know sounds great initially but there's a lot of things you have to prove with that yeah that usually wind up getting thrown out of court and now from what i understand because i've been following that a little bit now you know she's saying that she had a temporary moment where she couldn't hear anything or yeah, that's, I think the one in, um, 
I think there might be a conflating because that the the woman was that the one in um I guess it uh, <laughs> I was just thinking I think yeah, it, it the, might one. Be the one <laughs> I'm so tired I'm sorry so I just realized I think you, there might be some conflating of the different shoes but that's the problem that I was getting at, is that the details of individual things you know kind of get in the way of the larger picture in the sense that like I said laws changing there have been some really good um, pieces about you know the the um, discussing some of the laws that need to be changed um, ultimately you want to change you want to do something that works um, and there there can be research done into what things have worked in the past they're natural experiments that happen because you know state different states have different laws and you can see you know if one law if one state changed this then um, and the crime rate changes based on other statistics and things like that so there were two things they were saying that probably would help um, reduce, uh, I don't know if you're going to say, like I said, I hate the term. Police lynchings. <laughs> exactly. I was going to call them assassinations. Um, the reason why I wanted to call them assassinations, Lonnie asked me that, and the term of assassination is that it's typically, assassinations are done for either by will or neglect. You allow someone to die, you know. And I'm saying right now we know that black men are killed at higher rates than white men, and we're still allowing this to happen, you know. And the more it happens, I'm like, it's because we're not doing anything about it. Um, and to me, I, the term assassination seems to to fit. Because so again, I'm can we say we? Who is we? we? Thank you. That was we, going to be my question. The American people, as general as possible, because obviously. We, we can divide ourselves into different groups and say like that, and obviously I'm just tired, but I'm just saying there hasn't been a collective call. There hasn't been collective change, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, and what I see is collective change. There are more convictions, more accountability, more transparency. Um, and, you know, it's just not happening. So um, obviously, you know, we're not a monolith. We don't all feel the same about these things. But, yeah, I mean, there's, that's what I'm saying. Maybe it is just more difficult to talk about things in the macrocosm uh, versus individual cases and individual opinions because we all obviously feel different and have different experiences. But, yeah, I don't know. That's how one of the tangents I was going to go off on is just like I, I had a conversation with someone this uh, past uh, weekend about it. And, um, you know, like one of the things I said to him was like, I tried to just, you know, mark off some other demographic that, you know, how do I say it? You know, like I was talking to a white guy, <laughs> just say like that. I was talking to a white guy about it and, you know, he did some very talking points, ignorance, you know. I call it regular guy stupid, you know. Like it's not like he's <laughs> willfully ignorant or specifically or, you know, um, especially racist of him. But it's just like regular dude, stupid. You know what I'm saying? Like he's spouting off these talking points and saying, "Well, you know, all lives matter." I'm like, try to keep it, hold it in. <laughs> so, so I try to explain him. Like, you know, if say for instance, um, you know, he works at uh, Best Buy or something, and I'm like, if police started like shooting, you know, Best Buy workers, you know, for whatever reason, Best Buy uniforms scared the shit out of cops. <laughs> And, 
And this was, uh, and we knew this was happening over an extended period of time and we didn't do anything about it. You know, I, I'm pretty sure if any, I don't know. I know, I, I understand, I understand no. what you're, I understand what you're, <clears throat> I understand what you're trying to say. Yeah. But it's a larger issue than that because yeah. you're looking at it from, well, look, clearly this is happening. Yeah. I had, when, when, when Eric Garner got uh, murdered by the New York Police Department, yeah. um, I had someone argue with me that it was not the chokehold that killed him because the chokehold was not designed to kill. The chokehold was designed to incapacitate. It was his own personal health that killed him. Mm. Um, this is some of the dumbest fucking logic I've ever heard in my life because <laughs> he did not have a heart attack and not be able to breathe because he was standing on the corner. He was he had a heart attack and died not being able to breathe because you put your hands on him. Yeah. Because you put him in a chokehold, which was illegal. And my exact words were, I don't care if the chokehold was designed to give him the biggest, purest um, uh, uh, um, cum shot in the world. <laughs> it was against the law and you were not supposed to use it. That was not one of the tools of your trade. And the minute you put your hands on that man, he died. Yeah. And you killed him. Yeah. And this is this is the thing though, I was gonna say, like thinking in the macrocosm and thinking about how, you know, one of the reasons things haven't been done is because if we were to do something, it would be such a huge shift there, there's so but you many keep saying things. do something but what i, I guess my, and again i guess my question is do what it's not the, here's the thing mm. because they talk about retraining officers and all this you can't retrain people so well, there are people, they know hold on, hold on hold on they okay, know how to take people alive we've seen it we have seen it happen yeah it is the question of what you, as an officer, are willing to do. We've heard these stories. The, 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 uh, the, the New York bomber recently who was shooting back at the police, but they managed to take him alive. Yeah. He was actively shooting. Nobody thought maybe he had a gun. There were bullets flying. They managed to take him alive. But in the same week, there was a handicapped man who got out of his car and got shot to death because he had a book in his lap. Because, of course, a book looks like a gun. So it's yeah. not a question of training. It is a question of who you are as an individual. It is a question of what your mindset is. Well, that's what I was going to say. I think training is not just for the officers themselves, but for their commanding officers, for hiring people in the first place. Um, for sorting people based on their racial bias. I mean, you know, if you have a bias against black people, why are you in black neighborhoods? I'm just saying, like, it doesn't You're doing make... them a favor. Um, I'm just... Um, because go, they're go assigned to the black neighborhoods, it's either that or... That's what I'm saying. Home. That's what I'm saying. That is a failure of training of managers. Because that should be a, a known... That's the outcome. system. That's but the system, the system is doing exactly what the system is supposed to do. I know, and that's what, I'm saying, up that way. that's what I'm saying. Why things haven't changed is because it's, it is the system. Like, 
if you were to change it, it would be such a huge overhaul of the way you know laws are enforced in this country that it, it I don't think people have the will, like I guess the collective will to go through that change. Right? I want to take this opportunity to talk to those black people out there who jump on President Obama's case that he hasn't done things for black people. Um, one of the things he recently did, because you know everything doesn't get a lot of flash and substance, is put a law into place because he's ending the whole uh, you know private prison thing. He's he's writing you know they're enacting laws to end that. And while that doesn't seem like a big thing at the time, this is the reason for so many black bodies getting locked up, going to jail for the most minor offenses. Because yeah. it's all uh, it's 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 another it's another system of money, it's another system of wealth, you know. And yeah. so those things you have to keep in mind. Um, yeah, like I said, it's it's I I hear what you I hear what you're saying about the the mindset of the people and the mindset of the directors. But again, at the end of the day, they feel that way. People yeah. behave. There was a report that came out a few months ago um, in Baltimore. Just the people that were riding along with the officers mm -hmm. and the things that the officers openly said in front of the people that were riding along with them. You know, is it the officer's fault? Yes. But more importantly, this shit stinks from the head because Somebody has told this officer it is okay to feel this way. It is okay exactly. to act that, this way. It is okay to be this way. All of this is acceptable. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. There were basically two things that have been shown to work so far very well. You know, and you have to do the research and go through it. And I mean, people can argue about it, but there's two things. And one had to do with dealing with management. Um, like, it's not necessarily an issue from individual officers and shootings. That's basically. What I've been trying to articulate this whole time—it's like it is much—it's much bigger problem. Individual officers, individual shootings, individual assassinations, incidents, whatever you want to call it, isn't where the focus needs to be. You know, it needs to be on bureaucracies, organization, training, equipment. You know, one of the reasons why I, I do applaud Obama not—you know—or the, the federal government for not getting as involved in it is because these are things done on state and local levels. Yeah. Like we talked about all the time, like law enforcement isn't, <laughs> it's not a federal issue. It, it's a national issue, but it is one that's done at a local level as every jurisdiction, you know, you have to have standards that, you know, best practices throughout the country, but in enforcing those, but you know, it's, it's very well, difficult. When do you step in? I mean, that is, that's the problem. Like stepping in at this point is the one of the, I wish I had, um, you know. So you're saying that it's, it's at a local issue. You need to fight it at the head and so on with management, blah, blah, blah. I'm sorry, not yeah, blah, 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 right, right. but mm -hmm. you, you have to do it this way. But I don't see any type of outcome coming in. Uh, no, any type of positive outcome until the government steps in and say, look, this what? shit has to stop. 
Yeah. Well, I'm gonna take what Malcolm said early because I really don't like talking about this mess because everybody has their own ideals and everything clashes and we still end up leaving the conversation with nothing progress, whatever. But I would take what Malcolm said. No, I have progress. Hell yeah. I would take what Malcolm said earlier. Um he said that, you know, a lot of people get a lot of stuff misconstrued. That's a lot of confusion and like so you got that going on and then you got people focused on the presidential election and all this stuff and whatnot, and then not focusing like in like Gucci, what you just said, Lonnie. Everything's like local, or like both you and Malcolm said, everything's local. People need to start paying attention to what's going on locally. Get those people out because I think the police chiefs and stuff like that don't they gotta be voted in or something like that. Yes, sir. Depends, yeah. depends on where you live, yeah, yeah. But you gotta but see that's the thing about looking at things. They're too busy with what's going on over here. And then when some shit pop off in the backyard, they got these questions. But I'm like, y'all need to be aware of what's going on in y'all local area before you can sit there and try to help what's going on with somebody somewhere else. Because you don't know what's going on in your local area, then you have no basis to tell somebody else how to do something, you know, yeah, somewhere else. Like and, one of the things, uh-huh. one of the things they were saying on this, I think it was the, um, you know, when you're doing a program like it's based in local um, jurisdictions, you have to have a you know, the federal government has to be able to compare statistics from multiple jurisdictions. So the federal government's role is to make sure that everyone is actually accurately reporting statistics. Which you know they're not allowed to do. Yeah, exactly. In, in, when, in, in police shootings in this country, we are not allowed to yeah, and that put those be, statistics together. Yeah, that would be one of the major improvements the government could do is enforcing regulations on local governments to report what's actually happening so you can see what works. It's not necessarily about doing any specific things. It's just figuring out what works and implementing it. But we don't know what works because we don't have the data. You know, um, that's one of the major things. And we know that, you know, any of these sorts of changes are so embedded in the culture of law enforcement generally that it's going to take a lot of sacrifices to make it happen. You know, and are people really willing to do major, major things? But I was to say one of those is, like I said, two things. One was reporting, and the other was, um, what was it? Dealing with the um, with management and training. Um, one of the uh, one of the things that they they use was the analogy with education, um, and someone made this argument in a. In a article, I think it was on Medium or whatever I was reading, and they were saying there was a point in education when people realized that the internet was a thing, you know, and they wanted to make sure all the schools got computers (laughs) and could connect to the internet. And, you know, connecting computers to the internet doesn't educate children, you know what I'm saying? Wearing body cameras doesn't automatically um, give transparency. There has to be... Especially when you can turn them off. Exactly. There has to be training and there has to be consequences. And all of those have to be directed from above. Um, And so that was one of the things like body cameras work in very specific situations. One is like people are trained ahead of time on how to use them, um, where to place them. They're educated on why they're wearing them. And then two, there are consequences for if they don't work or if you don't use them properly. And you can't use the excuse you didn't know because you were trained ahead of time. That works. It's not perfect, but you're talking like significant reductions in shootings. And I was saying the other one was um, was reporting of statistics. 
just knowing what's happening tends to make things better. <laughs> uh, this is one of those things we were talking about, like, you know, analogy to like diet and exercise. You know, if you, people have found like, even if you don't ask people to change their behavior, just getting them to record what they're doing tends to get people <laughs> to actually change their behavior because they're actually having to confront it. Yeah. So those two things work, you know, management and reporting. And that's two things you could do. And you could track the metrics and see what's going on. And, you know, because it's not really about the specific things that work. It's just finding what, I, I don't know. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> going on the rant. No. And, 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 and kind of sort of what Mark said is correct. You do walk away having had these conversations, but there's no quick, immediate fix. Right. Yeah, we're talking decades of work. Um, but I think um, the last time we talked about this, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Last time we talked uh, about this. Last time we talked about it, um, I, th I, I want to say it was Xavier that brought up a good point about the mother's um, mad group, mm -hmm. um, yes. about when there was a, 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 a accident involving drunk driving or whatever, the mothers, uh, mothers of the mad group, got they, they went there to the place where the accident was. They went to the courthouse. Um, I think that we definitely, we definitely need to do something sort of like that. Um, for our community, especially if it's talking about the Black Lives Matter. And I think that also we need to include every Black life, um, meaning gay, straight, bi, whatever you may be, everybody needs to be included. It should not just simply be heterosexuals. Um, and the last one is that people, I've been inboxed a few times and somebody asked me, wrote on my wall, about boycott and Black Friday and some other things, but but to me that's a whole bunch of bullshit. I'm sorry to say it like that. I mean, you're gonna tell me to boycott somebody for a fucking day? That shit really to me doesn't do anything. You need to give me some type of black businesses to go to to support. You yeah. need to give me a listing of black uh, businesses that I can go and support because Black Friday I might want to go get me something. You have to hit people for the more Montgomery than just Black bus Friday. Boycott did for not, like six months or something. The Montgomery bus boycott did not last for a day. The Montgomery bus boycott exactly. lasted for over a year. And exactly. on top of the on top of the Black Friday shit, I hear with a lot of people, especially folks who in like so called power, sit there and tell people to don't 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 buy anything on Cyber Monday or Black Friday. You got to remember that the most of the people who are sitting there dealing with folks on Black Friday. Are black people. So you so when you it's a trickle effect. When you sit there and don't shop on Black Friday, who are the first people to get cut from their damn jobs when nothing's coming when, when the money's not rolling in? Us. So you might be like, well, because I got laid off from Walmart because we didn't make off enough money from Black Friday that year. You know, because that's when the economy was real sucky. So they cut off everybody who was in the lower end, and that typically is black people. I mean, not all the time, but I'm just saying we're in the we're in the midst of all of that. Because it's you know, I just think it's stupid. And then not I'm just black people, but poor people. Poor right. people. Exactly. Not, but I know I'm just looking at from like people here in I'm out my local Walmart. Even though I despise it, I know that the most of the people who work in that Walmart I went to school with, black and white. And so I'm like, so you sit there and further, you know, perpetuate the whole, you know, 
what's it called? The the um middle class uh lower uh, um divide and shit. So I don't know. It just that that always irked me when people say boycott Black Friday for what? People gotta work. It's a it's a it's a cycle. You know what I'm saying? It's a trickle down effect. But yeah. you know so. That's why I was saying earlier, like you have a lot of people come with these ideas and they, you know, don't fully have them really fleshed out. So that's why I tend to like tune out. And I'm not saying I'm tuning out y'all, but when people get to talking about that, they have these answers and shit. And I'm like, okay, are you thinking out of logic or are you thinking out of anger? Because you think out of anger, then you're going to lead everybody else down the goddamn, it's like the blind leading the blind. You're going to lead them to the fire. And then once you get there, you're not going to know what the fuck to do once, you know, you get to that low, to the point. And then it's just a lot of confusion. And we could be in a, a, even a more darkened cloud of confusion than we were before. So until we can get people to somebody together who has a concrete, concise plan, a step-by-step -step plan, uh, you know, something that I can get behind that's you know, legit and benefits everybody, then I can rock with you, but until then, it's just a lot of smoke being blown in my ass. I'm tired I, of it. I think that Lonnie had a really good idea. I think that every time I hear that idea, it's a good idea. Where are the black businesses? Why aren't we supporting those? You know, I know for I know for I know for Mark, for example, it's a little different because you live in an area where. You live in the South, and in the South, Walmart is fucking huge. And Walmart came in and destroyed all of these small businesses. You know, black, mm -hmm. white, green, blue, purple, it didn't matter. Um, so, yeah, I get that. And I get that, that creating a business in that atmosphere is damn near impossible. Mm -hmm. When, you know, you can go down the street and get everything you need from Walmart for less. But... I I think that Lonnie has the right idea. We do need to support it. We it's it's a it's a it's a fifty fifty thing. We need to support each other more, and we need to actually be about our business. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, for sure. No, I think um, one of the reasons I always said this. I think the best way. To track someone's values is what they spend money on um, and you know my first thought um, and I agree with the idea that we need to su support black businesses more but I'm, I'm just thinking on on a on a real tip I think there are many people who just do value black um, businesses less they they don't believe in the quality of the product of like personal they don't yes. you know and so it's almost like this short, you know, heuristic is like, well, you know, I think a white person is going to just do a better job. Um, I remember I think that's of, what we've been programmed. Oh, we have. I, I tell you one thing, um, bringing it to the election. I think there are conversations that we can have about race while we're still talking about the presidential election. So I don't think we have to choose one or the other. There was a definitely an interesting thing that happened while we were gone where these, um, this, Com this comment that Hillary Clinton made about the basket of deplorables, you remember that comment? Um, she received some flack when she made this um, statement in a speech that she said, you know, 50% uh, of Trump supporters um, oh, yeah. fall into these basket of deplorables, saying that they hold racist beliefs, 
you know, and these are national polls that were showing basically more than 50% of Trump supporters actually did, you know, answer on certain questions like, you know, are, you know, do black people have as strong a work ethic as white people? You know, simple like demographic belief questions about the differences between black and white people. However you categorize it, there's a huge difference between Trump supporters and Clinton supporters. And I think, you know, that was in her head and she said it and she got some backlash. I think what's interesting is a, a lot of people, a lot of Trump support comes from people who claim they don't want to be politically correct or ruled by political correctness. But as yeah. soon as you call them racist, it's like, how can you call us all racist? You're going to, you know, you're basically decrying political correct. You're asking for political correctness while saying you want a candidate who's not politically correct. But anyway, um, <laughs> um, the point no, is, that's a, I think that's a, I think that's a very good and very valid point. Yeah. But also, if you look at that data, there are plenty of racist Hillary supporters, too. <laughs> like, it's still like 26, 27 percent fall into that basket of deplorables. That's huge. <laughs> there was a there was a woman. There was a woman I had as a manager at a job once. And I always said, if you asked Barb if she was racist, she would have slapped your face. Because yeah. just the idea of her own personal idea of her being racist, um, she just would not have handled that well. Yeah. But if you watched her actions, if you listened to some of the things that she was that she just said, because you know she she was a, a victim of white privilege and such, yeah. and 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 ignorance. No, I think. Um, yeah, good. Sorry. You know, when I, I used to say, well, you know, when slavery comes back, she'll say, well, I don't know where it came from, but, you know, it's here and it's the law. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, um, I was having a conversation about television shows and such, and I thought one show that depicted that really well was the first season of American Crime, the um, character played by, um, I can't remember, the woman from Desperate Housewives. Like, I remember like there was like a series of choices that she made that had her ultimately at this racist rally <laughs> and she's like I'm not racist like but you're doing all the same things <laughs> these other all people, of them you know <laughs> and it was interesting that you they they tried to show her in a sort of empathetic way and be like you know um saying I don't, I don't know how to say it. I was a little compassion in a way or at least um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but I understand what you're saying. She, yeah. was, she did not have, she did not under her bed at home. There was not a robe in the hood. She right. was not that brand of racist. And it was easy to feel compassion for this character because her son was murdered, you know? Yeah. And so that, that was, it was just an interesting thing. Like, um, it's very uncomfortable is the word I want to use to feel compassion for someone who's hateful. But I think it's something that, we need to feel even while we're saying it's hateful a little bit of compassion for the person because this you know you're an asshole <laughs> you know, why is it that black people always have to feel compassion for other races i'm confused i don't think that's what he, i don't think he was saying that yeah. i don't think he, i don't think malcolm was saying that black people need to feel compassion i think he was saying people need to okay. feel compassion people in need to feel general for each other in order to have a conversation about, about being racist. Now, this is what I'm saying. If you want to have a conversation about race, 
and you want someone to listen to you, the first thing you need to be able to do is to listen to other people. And so it's actually a part of, if you want to see the behavior in other people, you have to express it yourself. If you want other people to show compassion, you have to show compassion. I'm I just agree. saying. And, and at the same so time, your family's like, been lynched people, for millions compassion, of years. Compassion doesn't mean not punishing people and calling people out for their shit. It's just saying, I'm looking at you as a whole person. You know, this, you're not just this racist thing. You're a human being who has feelings. <laughs> you know what I'm just saying? But anyway, it's uncomfortable. This is the, this is the, no, here, Monty, this is the, this is, this, this is the thing that you got, that you, this is the example I always use. When people say, they, you know, when you talk about black people and talk about the police and the relationship between the two, and you get the whole, you know, my father's a police officer and every time he left the house, you know, I prayed that he would come home safely. You know, and you're supposed to feel compassionate about that, which I do. I feel compassionate about anybody's, you know, people coming home safely. I feel, I do. I feel compassionate about that. The, 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 the catch-22, the missing point is getting that person to then turn that around and feel the same thing. Yes, and as a mother, as a father, I pray my 18-year-old comes home because you know that yeah. might not happen. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's, 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 because they too have a family. It's and like that, go ahead. No, no, I would just say it's just like you need to listen to understand instead of listening to respond. A lot of people listen to respond, yeah, and they, don't, and they, they leave out the whole. They don't give it about to like well, not explain themselves, but they're not there. Geared to listen to you. I'm going to sit there and listen to every little point they make to just only to respond to what right. they say and not actually understand what they're trying to convey to me. Yeah. That's the problem with communication right now. I'm sorry, Lon. I'm okay. sorry. I'm sorry. But Are you referring to the black people? I'm referring to people. the people that. Okay, well, why don't y'all pick a side so that way I can understand what, what y'all are talking about? Because y'all talking about, I'm just speaking in general. Here's, a, like, here's what I was going to say. Here's what I was going to say, though. Lon, is that. You know, having compassion for someone doesn't mean that you don't hold them accountable for their actions. Mm. You know, um, and so what I mean by compassion, this is how one one person I said who was um, saying some racist shit around me, you know, white guy who will drop the N-bomb or even say like faggot around me and some shit like that and I'll be like, um, the only reason, only time I will really like engage with someone on a um, on a topic of, of like trying to correct them, is if I give a shit about them, like in any kind of way, because like I'm not gonna try to sit there and school you about what you should do, unless I actually care about what you do. Period. Um, that's what I'm saying. Like on compassion, like to get someone to respond, I think you have to care about their actions. You know, you have to care about them as a person, and hold them accountable. That's the point I'm trying to make. Is like, it's not about compassion. Is not just for them; it's for you too. So okay, I, I, I've heard this song before. Uh, Martin Luther King sung this song before. They've always sung that song um, when anything has happened in the black community. We all rally together, and we all saying we shall overcome and we should love our neighbor because the Bible says so. 
But at some point, actually, everybody does not say that in the black community. But right, but I get what he's saying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, now, oh, 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 now you want to jump in and and, and pick a side? Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I'm 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 just honestly I'm just sick and tired of all people. From what I've seen on TV, from what I've seen, is always black people reaching out to the oppressor and saying, you know, you know, you have we, we understand where you're coming from because you were raised this way and da 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 da. And you know, but we just want you to we begging and pleading for them to understand how we feel. I, That's Lauren, what I'm saying. Like, oh, no, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Lauren, have you because I, oh, I know yeah. we all know a lot. No, no, no. Don't don't do that. I'm asking a question. Have you, ever, have you ever have you ever actually studied MLK? I mean from beginning to end. MLK, you mean Martin Luther King? Junior, yes. No, I did not. Okay. So I'm gonna so first what? talk about the narrative of okay. where he started. And okay. while it was okay for him to be on television. Because he was preaching mm-hmm. a whole thing of nonviolence. But if mm-hmm. you check out some of his speeches before they killed him, uh-huh. that rhetoric had changed. Exactly. He was moving to a whole different side. He was mm-hmm. he was clearly taking on a more Malcolm esque approach. Okay, we've tried mm-hmm. this, we've come to you with our hands out, hand open, love in our heart. This shit ain't mm-hmm. working. You know, and it wasn't until he began to switch over that he became a severe problem and had to be taken out. Um, Mm -hmm. We don't control the media. We, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, we don't. We don't, it's harder for us to get our narrative out there. So they're always going to put the more docile face out there. You know, you, I, I've had this argument, this this uh, this debate argument, whatever, one too many times about, you know, well, I don't understand. I mean, if people are feeling oppressed and shit, why are they tearing up their own fucking neighborhood? You know, why are they why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? Do you think this is right? And that's always the question I get. Well, do you think this is right that they're doing this? And my response is, I don't live the life that they're living. I can't speak for that. Because I'm because who's to mm-hmm. say if I was in that situation where I was screaming and nobody was hearing me, what I would or would not do. Mm-hmm. But that's not the conversation that gets had on television. Those are not the speeches that pe- when people talk about Martin Luther King, you know, when white people, when the media discuss Martin Luther King, when they talk about Martin Luther King never told people to tear up their own neighborhood, they never talk about him at the end. Mm-hmm. They talk about the we shall overcome while people mm-hmm. are, you know, setting dogs and hoses and shit on us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think there is like a, there is another. Uh, we're sitting here to, to me from what I was hearing. Go ahead, Lana. From what I was hearing, my phone is going to be cutting in and out. I do apologize. But from what I was hearing on my end was that um, maybe we need to understand everybody's point of view. Maybe we need to do this. And I'm just like, like this is something that I, I I always hear us say, and when I say us, I mean black people or people who have been oppressed. Is that we have to first get them to understand how we feel, so that way maybe they can help us. Well, one thing like this is that I'm just there. That just seems like a whole bunch of hogwash to me. Let's just put it like this: 
like right now, having this conversation on the air, I will always like engage you on those questions, you know, like even when I'm frustrated and feeling something because I do care, you know, I care mm. about not just, um, you know, your opinion, but about you as a person, you know, um, it's hard for you to make that leap for someone you don't, I guess, care about. I mean, like to engage with someone if you don't care about their opinion, you know what I'm saying? If you want to be a part of a conversation and engage with someone, there has to just be a basic level of compassion or seeing someone else's humanity if you're going to have a back and forth. It's not saying, like, I'm begging for you mm -hmm. to change your mind or, you know, this or that. It's not, like, coming on your knees and being this weak, submissive person saying, like, please, please do this for me. It's saying, like, in order for us to engage in dialogue, I have to be open to being changed myself. And that's uncomfortable. It's, it's always going to be a two-way street. I just... I think that's just true. Can you, can you repeat that? Can you repeat so that? The, oh. I'm just saying, if you want to change someone else, you have to be open to being changed. And that's why I feel like we're in the same, we're in the same rut. Not saying that us here, everybody on this panel, not saying that. It's just that when you talk to people, you listen to certain people who cry change, but then they look for stuff. That's all the thing they, they constantly look for a reason to stay upset. So I'm like, and so really, what will happen? Yeah, I'm just saying you have to be a, a little bit like, let's yeah. say in the, in the storm, either, you know, you bend or you break, you know, you have to do a little bending sometimes. It's uncomfortable, but shit, like, it's part yes. of, I don't know. <laughs> no, you're right, and I agree with that. It's, you, you have to be willing to just be like, okay, I'm, that's why I was like, I need to see where everybody's end goals are. Because yeah. so we, if, let's say we get, get laws passed, um, we get like, you know, legislation, all this stuff, taking care of stuff, Change starts to happen. Then what? Is that what you, is? It, are you going? To, are you still going to be in the same mind frame to like constantly counter the said change is going on or something like that? Because you can't have this. Is probably going to sound kind of. I'm sorry. You can't have change without progress. So if you if you don't if you're not willing to make progress on both ends, then we're going to always be here at the same situation. That's how I look at. It. Nobody's giving me an option to just. Nobody's giving me a like. Like here's a plan or here's a. But we're trying to get to, and it's just more along the lines of it's status quo. We're gonna, we gonna, we gonna do this, we're gonna do that, and you know, and I don't know. It just, I'm like Malcolm, I don't know. I'm it just <laughs> no, I, I definitely, I just like, um, I wanted to make like a, a quick recommendation on something I was listening to, um, over the past week or so. Um, there's this podcast called, um, it's called About Race, but I think it has a longer title. It's something I can't remember the title. So the, our national conversation about conversations about race. That's the title. <laughs> but most people just call it About Race. Anyway, they had this conversation on there. Um, I guess it was like four panelists on. One of them had written this article for Medium called "Acts You Need to Know What Happened Before. And it was definitely interesting, like, what um, Derek was saying. Like, we really do need to get more educated on what has already happened you know because like i said i don't really care about the tactics i just want to know what works and get it done you know and part of that is being steeped in our own history um a lot of people will talk about the civil rights movement and have no, no real context in which to speak about it 
you know? Yeah. And I get it. I get it. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to like shame anybody for not knowing certain things. You know what I'm saying? I get it. Like life, you know, not everyone is interested as I am and I'm not judging anyone for that. Like I thinking about, I, Martin Luther King was like a, was like an obsession of mine when I was in school. I remember like, it was really weird. <laughs> it did from like, every angle i've read so many books like if i go on um i don't think that necessarily makes my contributions to the conversation better but i do think there is something to be said about the specifics when you talk about what works and what doesn't that you can bring these things to the table when you're talking about like this did you know xyz happen here here and here because I just think a lot of people are just misinformed about what works and what doesn't um, on a lot of different things. And that's, you know, it's just part of um, the error. But like, yeah, like thinking about we were talking about the, the um, bus boycott in Montgomery is a, is a really good macrocosm or, my, you know, a, a good way of looking at the whole thing, which is, you know, the struggles that people had to go through in order to maintain that bus cut, th that boycott. I just don't see the, the political will for that to happen. You know, so when someone says that we want to boycott for a day, that is that little progress that Mark was talking about. Like, it's like a little bit, like something, because I don't think we could muster <laughs> the will to do what they did. I just, it's just people don't care enough. They're not willing to be inconvenienced that much. I you doubt know. that very seriously. I think we do care. It's just that we simply just need some people to actually give some concrete, um, like, okay, well, this is what we're going to be doing. Uh, we will have somebody here that the black businesses will come to you since you can't go to them. Uh, we have people on standby that's going to assist you. Uh, we need to just get yeah. organized. And I think that we have people in our communities. Unfortunately, I don't think they've been on the M3 Hangout just yet. But yeah. I think that we do have people in our communities that are um, definitely trying to to do positive things. I, I and, agree with you. I do. Actually, I agree with that. And you got to listen to these people, um, Lonnie. Bring them on. I would love to meet them. Me yeah. too. Yeah. I would, love to, I would love to talk to them. Yeah. yeah like, um, that was one of the I things. I mean, they're I all over YouTube. Yeah. They're all, they're I'm all just saying, like, there are mostly all black communities. But I'm just saying, like, it would be a great idea to talk to um, people who are, like, you know, protesting out on the streets, making plans and, and talking about exactly what you're saying. And I, I absolutely agree with it. Um, the lack the, of Because for the record, I, every time you say it, every time you say this, every time something happens and we go out in the street and start marching and you say, why are we doing this? I agree with you. It's a, it's a very immediate knee-jerk reaction. And it winds up on the news, but other than that, nothing really comes up. Exactly. You know, so in that situation, Lonnie, I completely agree with you. You know, but I am not that leader. I wish to God I were, but I'm not. And you know, if we if 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 we have one, that would be great. And I don't mean the ones that they put on TV. Exactly. You know. I give two fucks what Al Sharpton's like. Well, see, this was the thing, though. I think when I when I studied Martin Luther King, one of the things I love, first of all, is that I think he's brilliant. Like, there's something about that that I think was attractive to me, to his like biography and who he was. 
And part of his strategy was um, getting media attention. Um, part of that was, you know, getting people to feel compassion by seeing acts of violence against black people in the news. You know, seeing people getting water hose. And he lived in a different media environment where if that ended up on the news, everyone saw it. Yeah. You know? And I think now we live in a different reality in which, you know, people get lynched every day and we just kind of, we don't, you can't, yeah. There's no collective, there is no collective television show that we're watching, a news program that we're watching as a national community around single issues, except when it breaks through. And that's what I'm saying, like, it's somewhat a trap because we're talking about individual incidents when it needs to be a larger narrative, like, that's the only time we can get a national conversation, and we need those. And we still, and, and to be fair, Malcolm, we're still hmm. not having the conversation. No, we're, we'll talk we about skirt that. Around, we skirt around yeah. the conversation, but when you can't, and I guess this is where, and I guess bringing this back home, this is where the compassion part comes in. If I can't get you to come and sit with the table with me, look me in the eye and say, damn, Derek, you know, as a black man, you have not been treated the same that I have in this country as a white man. Yes, yeah. white privilege does actually exist. Mm -hmm. You know, I've had that white privilege conversation with white men so many fucking times that they all and it all goes back to the same thing. I have worked for everything that I have. I have worked just as hard. You know, you don't under, yeah. you don't even understand the concept of what I'm talking about. And you are already too defensive to have the conversation about it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I, yeah, no, I just, I, I have to just reiterate, I'm so happy, I don't know, every time that we sit and have these conversations between us, like, I, I feel like we have to. <laughs> um, so, you guys studied Martin Luther King, right? I did a little, yes. Not okay. as much as I would like, but yeah. Okay. Um, so, wasn't there a black gay man who actually mentored Dr. Bayard King? Bayard Rustin. Bayard Rustin. Exactly. Who mentored Dr. King, but yet and still they kind of wiped his names from the history books. Mm -hmm. um, same thing happening right now. We're gonna hit. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean that was honestly that was not necessarily from outside the community either. Yeah. You know, that was from within our own community that there was a collective decision that within his sexuality. Yeah. There was the gay community or the straight community. The no, black, black community as a whole. Understanding that they felt like his sexuality would distract from their message. I mean, honestly, that, that was that was very explicitly stated within their, you know, internal correspondence with each other. So yeah, I mean, yeah, and they it, wasn't, just, it was him as well. I mean, Bayer himself agreed. <laughs> just it should be noted, like he didn't want to. Um, they also they they and it was for a few reasons. Bayard yeah. also had white lovers. So yes. they didn't want that part advertised either. Right. And then he read the interview re, uh, like in like the late 80s or something like that, or the mid-80s, where he said he kind of regretted it, or he just said he understood yeah. it. Yeah. He, so, he did kind of regret it later in his life, that's true, that he sort of went along with it. But at the time, he was very complicit in the fact that he did not want to be at the forefront. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it's kind of like I was saying, like, it's going on now. And this is the issue that I have with a lot of people within our community and certain groups that we all belong to who will sit there and, like, trivialize, if I'm using the right term, when, like, certain incidents happen, 
when it comes to like Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter is created by queer black people. Mm -hmm. But yeah. it has been taken over by, and I don't want to say taken over, but it's been like, you know, there's been incidents where gay people who were trying to create Black Lives Matter chapters and stuff like that were ousted or just had to like completely be pushed out by heterosexual black men yeah, because they're like you know that you 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 we're not we're not caring about black gay rights right now. we're not caring about gay rights we're trying to get you know and it's just like so we don't matter yeah. you know so no, I, I would say I, I don't think that's a a coincidence either that you know black lives matter um i don't know i, I would say like this i think that there we're not we're talking about early going back to compassion or having experienced the types of like overt um you know, judgment and prejudice, I think does allow, um, I don't know, like a, a certain level of, um, I don't know, I'm sorry, I'm sleeping. <laughs> so, but, but it's just like you said, it just, it, it I, I feel as if we got to deal with that before, because we, if, we, if we already, if we're split, we can never be, a cohesive unit, and that's my only issue. It's like we're talking about the leaders bringing them on here. Now we can bring on three or four different leaders who are doing these different things, and I'm pretty sure they're all going to clash on something. And that's going to be my yeah. issue. It's like if y'all can't get on the same page, but you can just just leave ego, leave, you know, uh, leave all your transgressions shit at the door. You coming in here to? Formulate Leave and you all just, your bullshit at the door and come with this exactly. one goal in mind. Exactly. Don't don't worry about what you had playing with your group. Just sit there and listen to all the plans that all these people have right here and pick the best one so everybody can be on the same page. Because I think that's where a lot of this confusion and shit is going from. People are out doing this doing shit because they just feel like they just so need to do something that they just go and just you know go ahead and do it. And like we're doing this because of this, and then somebody else be like, well. We're trying to get to the same goal, but that's not how we want to do it. And so this is why I think a lot of people, but I can't talk because like I live in the yeah. civil rights movement. I was going to say, I was going to say that this is why a lot of people do not take the Black Lives Matter movement too seriously because it's not as cohesive and like planned as the civil rights movement was, but I wasn't there. So I cannot make the comparison. But you know, I would say, I don't think our community is as cohesive as it once was. Right. Just, yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, oppression has a ability to unify people much more. I mean, the overt, like, you know, getting lynched oppression <laughs> definitely when made you have when you have When you have school children who don't believe that slavery actually existed, you know, when you get that whole, I don't know, I wouldn't be out working in nobody's field and they not paying me. Oh, no. I mean, they, the, 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 you have to think about the, the mind that cannot conceive of the idea that you don't have any choices in this situation. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's just, that always blows my mind every time I hear a child say that. You know, oh no, I yeah. wouldn't do that. And, and, and the whole aspect of, you didn't have a choice. Yeah. There was no choices in this. So, absolutely, and I, um, I want to go back to one of the points Lonnie was making about, um, you know, inviting leaders of Black Lives Matter, Black Liberation Movement, however, you know, different factions want to label things. Um, and if you were able to talk to someone about it, 
what are some questions that you would ask and what what sort of things do you want to hear in their answers and this is to the entire panel by the way if we did have someone on like what questions would you I'm, ask them? My, yeah, I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm trying to jump the gun I thought you were about to feel um, no, my question would be number one um what is your plan what is your end goal and how do you how do you how are you going to go by um achieving said end goal and then i'll if they're black last night i'm gonna ask them you know pretty much what is your i'm gonna ask them certain questions about like you know what is your you no know, thoughts of the you know lgbt the black lgbt community you know what i'm saying just 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 try to hear them and what, out Go ahead. and yeah and what sort of things are you listening for in their answers I'm just trying to see if they're trying to sell me some, sell me a dream, or they're just actually just you know being genuine in trying to get something done, and not just yeah. to, not not for half. Because see, I'm I'm so because me and my ex was talking about this. He said so many people are so. He said the black community is so desperate to have a new MLK Jr., a new Malcolm X, and a new you know black leader that they they just they they just snort anything that somebody skills them. You know what I'm saying? They just try it out so quick. And they and they, they this generation so wants to be a part of a um, movement so they can sit there and be like, you know, it's like a romanticized version of the civil rights movement. And that's bad at the same time. We still having issues and shit. But it's like, you know, take the romanticized narrative out of it and just sit there and just look at it for what it is. You know what I'm saying? This is real life. Shit gotta be done, and don't worry about whether or not you get these many like um, likes, or you know, you create the next hashtag or something like this, and you know, it just. Yeah, what are you doing the question of priorities? Yeah, priorities. What is your priority? Yeah, I'd like that too. Um, I would. I like that question. Yeah. Um. Anyone else on that? That's why he was on the cover of the newspaper in high school. <laughs> Who me? So um, I think one of my questions would be, um, yeah, I just had a brain fart. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know anyone else on the questions they would ask. I, I was, I think one of my major questions I, is why are you doing the thing? Why are you yeah. doing right now the way you are? I might not agree with your reasons, but I kind of want to know what they are. Like, yeah, why did you choose to do this? Why did you choose to do that? Um, and what do you, and what are, are your markers of progress? That's usually the one I want to see. Like, if you're asking for change, what markers are you looking for to say that your protests are successful? Yeah. Anyway. This is my this is my question that I generally ask any black leader. What form? What is your idea? What is your form of reparations? What, yes. form does, what form does that take? Because yes. that tells me where you are. Yes. Yeah, that's a good, good one. one. Damn good one. Yeah, it's funny, like, how little people want to talk about slavery. It's one of the things I was, I was going to say, like, in this conversations about race podcasts, they were saying, it's like, you know, racism itself was a way for white people to feel less guilty about owning people. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's, racism itself is inextricable from slavery itself. Um, and to, you know, not have that be a part of the conversation, yeah. it's kind of, yeah, <laughs> missing the point. I, I don't know. Anyway. 
Um, I'm also going to say this. I think this is to me the question you can answer. I will ask, and I will sit there and write this down, and this would be the, it's kind of like the whole Walking Dead, Rick, you no know, groups, little, the three questions. I'm just going to simply just ask them, are you a man of business or are you a man of noise? Because if you're here for the noise, then we're never going to get anything done. So, you know, so. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I'm just going to make, like, another recommendation. Um, you know, uh, love to throw books at issues, but if you haven't, um, read uh, Slavery by Another Name. It comes up almost all the time. Um, post, um, Post-Civil War, Reconstruction, um, and the birth of Jim Crow kind of era. Because um, it, it, I don't know, like I said, like there's a certain part in which we can learn from our history uh, so much. I mean, um, and I really am, and, to me, I'm just naturally fascinated by it. I know, like, not everyone's gonna like <laughs> be as fascinated as I am about those things. Like, I I read it for entertainment, as much as like for my own edification. Mm-hmm. But um, and so I get that. I'm not saying everyone's gonna read it for entertainment. But um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I think it's a possibility that people will find it. You know, and one of the things in this book that they tracked was this family. It's actually like a couple and their kids and track them for like a hundred years. Um, basically these two, uh, I can't remember their names. Their last name was Green and they lived in Alabama, I can't remember. And they had records showing like after uh, emancipation, the first thing they did was got married. So that's where the book starts is like, because slaves weren't allowed to marry. And then trying to find a, you know, a field of land, you know, to make a living, you know, and tracking their life and the lives of their kids. And um, I don't know, it's like heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. <laughs> It'll make you angry, but at the same time, it's like something beautiful about it. The way that people can make something out of nothing. Mm-hmm. Like it is, you know, it's, yeah. It's those, one of those books that gives me chills when I think about it. You know, it's like a, a awful, disgusting, beautiful thing. <laughs> you know? But anyway, a recommendation. I would say. We're live. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the N3 Entertainment Hangout. My name is Marco Estes. I'm your host this evening, along with two of my favorite people in the entire world, Corey, Cedro, Drummond, and, oh, damn, Derek Jones. Derek DJ Jones. I, I have another nickname for him, but I can't say it on my, I can't say it live. Anyway, not in front of company. Not in front of company. No. <laughs> and so, Malcolm's not here. Ali's not here. We were almost not here because we know everything that's going on with Hurricane Matthew. You know, prayers and condolences to all those affected from Haiti on up to right now and those who will be affected by it in the coming days. Yes, Facebook, um, where's my Haiti um, profile thing? Because that's what I'm looking for. Well, I can have a profile thing for everything else, but I can't have a profile thing for Haiti. I'm a little concerned about that, but I'm gonna let that go. Not really, though. Well, I was gonna say somebody might say, What about Haiti? and somebody might say, What about songs from the Bahamas or something like that? You know, it could be all that. I think we should just have one for everyone. Everybody, everybody could just choose and pick or do a pick stitch, just put all the all of them together and then just, just put out your whole entire profile picture, which is. 
prayers for this, 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 and this. And then, you know, everybody be covered. Pick and choose your prayers. Pick and choose your prayers. But no, but yeah, I think somebody's probably working on one, but um, other than that, also, this is the 20th anniversary of Matthew Shepard's death. He was a gay teen who was murdered back in 1996 um, by homophobic assholes. Um, so Ali wanted to wanted us to remember his death because that's when like you know people really started like looking at like um hate crimes hate crimes and stuff like that. Yeah. So before we get to the main one, yes, before we get to the main. What is, okay? So me and Mr. Drummond here had a debate that I have left unfinished because I was working. Uh, about <laughs> Marvel Ages of Shield. I was not feeling the first two episodes. Um because it was more along the lines of maybe it's just too much T V on right now. And excuse me, and all my attention span is like being stretched to capacity, but maybe it's the fact that it's on later and I'm used to watching Ages of Shield as it comes on. The Asian Shield airs against Atlanta. And I have to get all my audience attention to Atlanta because I love Donald Glover. I love the show. But Asians of Shield, I I get and also I left last season with a bad taste in my mouth for the first time. Um okay. because the whole fallen agent storyline towards the end, I wasn't so because I'm like somebody's going to die. Like somebody's going to Go because they said they're going to be so unless they change the um thing up. It seemed like every time they try to change something up, it actually went into the plan of what was supposed to yeah. pan out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when it ends up being spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, if you have not caught up the Agent Shield, so Lincoln, I was like, I don't care because he just got on the show, and I was like, it was you know. Why? Why couldn't it, I mean? Granted, don't get me wrong. I would have been upset if it had been like Mac or even Jenna or Fitz. I'd have been upset. I'd have been feeling some type of way. But I'd have mm-hmm. been like, okay, that was a good death because I've seen that character grow from you know season one all the way up. I'd have been like, okay, that was a good send off. But I didn't feel anything from that, and the last time I actually cried was when Bobby and um her husband left. That was a powerful goodbye right there. So it was. If if they had took that emotional pain, I didn't care for Lincoln dying, and then um Sky, well, excuse me, Daisy going on her own and feeling type of way and everything, and I'm like, y'all, I'm just. Okay, whatever. I'll see y'all next year. So next year comes up, I'm like, yeah, I, I'm still not there. But I like this Ghost Rider storyline. I just didn't wish Daisy was attached to it. Um, oh. But it seemed like everything is merging. <laughs> because I guess with, there's a guy going around with a flaming head. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure um, she would have caught on to that a little bit sooner. But, I mean, they did just have some Sokovia Accord. Um Chords go down, and then this whole Captain America situation, and what have you. So it makes sense 
for them to be like, look, we ain't got time to just catch all these motherfuckers. We're trying to build ourselves up. So, but I was just like, he just, but this thing like he's been going on for like a long time. This is nothing just popped up on the radar. With that being said, I have faith in Marvel to tie all this stuff together because they do a great job at doing it. I just, at uh-huh. this moment, I don't care. I just don't. <laughs> what? Okay, so you sound, before I say what I'm going to say, you sound like an embittered ex bringing baggage into the next relationship. What? Like, you're like, you're like third season left a salty taste in my mouth, and that's why I don't really like the fourth season and how it started so far. Although I'm excited about the elements. Like, maybe, I, I, I understand why you feel that way, but the whole purpose of last season was to set up for, um, what was it, Marvel's Most Wanted, starring the two people that left in the middle that we had a stronger connection to. And then I also felt a strong connection to Lincoln because I always feel like even if you're a secondary or a tertiary character, if you're a character that's like the main love interest or the one for another main character, I feel like that makes your death just as important. So I understand maybe you didn't really care for the character or he wasn't important enough for his death to mean so much or to be as cataclysmic as it was but like he was the main character's love interest so i i get why he you know he left and i also love any character who has um electricity um or electric manipulation as their power because that's Mm -hmm. like one of my favorite that's one of my favorite powers ever so i felt the loss because you know he was gone i'm like okay so who else is gonna fill this kind of void. And I appreciate the fact that they have uh, Ghost Rider now. I like the fact that they decided on making it Robbie Reyes and not Johnny Blaze. Um, The only thing that I don't like so far, even though I will say that the graphics for Ghost Rider's change is better than either of the two movies with Nicolas Cage, in my opinion. For a TV show, like, they put a lot of money into this season, and I appreciate that. I just wish that his... I just wish that... It was a little bit truer to the character because they got the jacket right, the um, the leather jacket that Robbie wears, like that's what the, his character wears in the comics. But he also gets like a metal, it's a metal skull helmet head. It's not like the same. It's not a regular flaming skull, even though a flaming skull would never be regular, I guess. <laughs> but like it's a, it's like a metal helmet that shoots flames out of different parts of it, so it's a little different. Just like he has the car or the Dodge Charger, as opposed to the motorcycle that Johnny Blaze wore. I mean, rode and could also summon um, or whatever. But I mean, it's a little different, but I like the way that it's going. And I think that no Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., like I told you before, no Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season has ever started off fast. It always takes a little bit of time to get into the role. Because they have so much to set up. I don't know. I thought second season. Go ahead. Because if he calls you an admitted old ex, I have no telling what he's going to say about me when I'm done. Um, Um, yeah. I don't know her. I have tried. I really did. I, you know, I'm Team Marvel all the way. And that first season. I gave it a chance. Here's my problem with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and this is my biggest problem. 22 episodes, 
And yeah, I hear yeah. what you're saying about a I hear what you're saying about a slow burn and everything. I don't mind a slow burn when you are, you know, opening up to tell the story. I don't necessarily need you to throw everything on the table like a, a crab boil and everybody go at it. I'm okay with the slow introduction. But the pacing of this show for me consistently is off. It's one really good episode. And then the next episode is okay. And then the three episodes are like, yeah, I really could be doing anything else right now. And then somebody has to tell me, oh, did you see Agents of Shield last week? Oh, that shit was great. And then I go back and it is a great episode. But it's like I only get one good episode every four or five episodes. So I don't know whether they need to decide to do multiple storylines or what, because it just seems like the whole season arc thing is not working for them, for me. Okay. Okay, if you see him struggling his beard, that means he's trying to, he, he's formulating up a, go ahead, go ahead. I'm Jesus. okay. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's, it's not that, it's not that anything that either of you said isn't valid. I just, I just think sometimes, even though I'm quite, like, I guess I'm quite younger than I come off, like, it's always weird to me when people talk about shows being slow or moving slowly when most shows do that, it's only with the advent of shows within the last like six or seven years where everything seems to have to go so fast. Like remember, remember if you ever watched the show Scandal, the mm. first season, even if you haven't watched all of it, if you watch the first episode, the first episode, you basically knew everything about the main character and all the secrets. Like you knew she was sleeping with the president from the first episode. Normal shows 10 years ago, 20 years ago, would take like eight episodes before you found that out. And I just think yeah. that sometimes it's there's a certain beauty and a certain appreciation that I feel like people should people shouldn't cast aside because things seem to be moving slow. Like that's kind of how it needs to be. And even with the um like I won't I won't bring this up to talk about it just now, but I'll bring it up as reference like the Marvel Netflix um uh co-op uh what am I trying to say? The Marvel um, Netflix shows. Yeah, the Marvel Netflix shows also have a slow pace. They don't move. They don't move that fast. The characters barely use their powers, if they do at all. It's about the story, and it's about the development of the story. Now, granted, it's only you know ten, twelve, thirteen episodes instead of maybe twenty-two. However. It's really slow because a lot of people that I talk to that don't necessarily care for it, they either like it because of the fact that it's story based that just happens to include a a super powered person or special people, or they hate it because they're like, they didn't use enough powers. Like there wasn't a lot of action. Like a lot of times they cause, it's like it causes a dichotomy between people and it always stems from the pacing of things. You know, when you're used to watching shows like, like Housewives of Atlanta or Scandal, and not saying that any of these shows are terrible, even though all reality shows kind of are. Um, like sh- scripted shows like, you know, Scandal or How to Get Away with Murder, there's always at least seven different things at play at all times. So when you watch shows like that, you get used to a lot happening. So when you watch a show that may still be a good show, like A House of Cards, which is beautifully done, but also has a slow pace, 
um, you can't, it's hard to get into it. You know, people will like be quicker to go for shows that give them a lot more. And I understand what you guys are saying, but I think that there's something to be appreciated in the fact that they take time to tell a story as opposed to try to jump into a bunch of things. Okay, now let me be clear. I am a writer. I enjoy, like I said, as I said earlier, I enjoy a good slow burn. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. does not do it well. Okay. This particular show, for me, does not master that well. They don't do enough to maintain my interest through the slow build of the show. What does? the Marvel, the, the Marvel Netflix shows, I think, mm. are great because you're absolutely right. They are story based, and I sit there and I eat that story up. And I don't need the I don't need the quick paint. I don't know if you because you because you use two different extremes in one of your examples. I don't know if you can use Real Housewives of Atlanta, it, because it is a reality show. It's not a story. It's not a written story based show. It is based on some um, reality. Um, In in what way? Because a lot of most reality shows are quite scripted and based off of driving storylines and boards that they come up with ahead of time. So, I mean, the only thing that's really real about it, and even that's questionable, is the characters' names. And maybe if they dislike <laughs> or like someone else, but I mean, let's let's be let's be real with the reality show. If you if you myself <clears throat> and um, you know Mark were on a reality show and you couldn't stand me, but you were having you know a birthday party, you wouldn't invite me. That's However, true. in these shows, everybody that like they'll be like, I hate all of half of these girls, but everybody's always invited to every. But let's gathering. go on vacation together. Yeah, like, you know, they're, they're setting things up. Now, it may not necessarily be fully scripted, yes. but there is there are scripts and there I, are storylines and there are I overwhelming arcs. I completely so, agree with you on that. I completely agree but there's, with you on that. But, but there's always something happening in a reality show. There's always something happening in Scandal or... No, go, go ahead, Mark. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I was going to say, Cedra, I agree with you because I told people... If Buffy the Vampire Slayer, as it is now, was the premiere in a time in this day and age, it would not have lasted long. Because the entire first season was nothing but character building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then in season two, we got into the whole story arc each season because we've been with these people. We didn't want to see them go through all this extra shit. I agree with you. Age of the Shield season one. I still defended it because I told people, because everybody say, oh, they need to counsel it. I'm like, look, Age of Shield season one, it was slow, but that's how the Whedon's right. They want you to care for these characters. So when they run them through the ringer, your nerves are going to be shredded. And that's why I think that even though the first half of season one was kind of like, you know, Okay, what's the what? Okay, what's going on? Where's the? But then they hit with the Captain America, um, with a soldier twist. This show went. It, this show went ham. It just went. And then it went. But right Mark, I think I think it right there. You kind of hit what my issue, again, with the show. At least the first season, I felt like it was in neutral 
waiting for the movie to come out. And I think that's what the problem was. I think they even said that in the you know, interview. Because, like, I, because I am a Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan also. I am a Joss Whedon fan also. And so you are correct in the, you know, the, the first story, the first uh, season being character building and all of that. But the difference here is we had to put ourselves in neutral to wait for this larger thing to come out. And it's kind of like, yeah, okay, nothing's happening, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. But see, with the second half of season one, and then it ran into season two, to me, so far, well, I can't really bank on season four because the first half of season three of Age of S.H.I.E.L.D. was off the chain. The whole Gemma being trapped on the planet and everything. Now, all season two, I was riveted from when they started off with, you know, Lucy Lawless and this new character and this obelisk thing. I'm like, okay, it's popping off, it's popping off. Then we had the mid-season finale with the Inhumans. And then we had Daisy learning about her past and stuff like that. And then we met Lincoln and her mom and all that. I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then leaving the season two, like, oh, we didn't put the, uh, we didn't put the, what is it, the Terrigenist into um, vitamins. Yeah. So they, now everybody's been, I'm like, yes. And so we got to season three to start off. I'm like, yeah, these people are popping up all over the place. I'm like, yeah, yeah. The problem I really had with the Fallen Agent storyline was that one, Lincoln was not an agent because they asked him to join and he was not an agent. And two, Lincoln had only joined the show full time that season. And so I felt like it was, if anything, he could have been a replacement for one somebody coming forward. You know, kind of like with on Star Trek Voyager, how they had Kiss, and then they got rid of Kiss because she wasn't doing nothing. And then they brought in Seven Nine to fill a spot. It was just like a, a a change of the guard because you look at it. The first you you can tell a Star Trek Voyager episode like oh this during the Kiss years and oh this during the Seven Nine years. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because they kind of like they kind of like pass the baton to each other and whatnot. Yes. But no, I agree with both y'all because. I just was I'm just not feeling it right now because another thing I was saying, like this is with any TV show though, because I always am for character growth where you learn a lesson and you move forward and you know not to go repeat the same thing again because it's not gonna bring problems. They had a huge issue with communication last year. The whole Gemma and uh Fitz, they weren't talking, she wasn't coming clean about Half of what's going on, like, what all went down over in the planet and stuff like that. And so I'm thinking, like, y'all will learn, like, this communication, like, like no communication amongst the team would kind of be kind of hard. Now, that's why I have, I'm really having the most issue with this first two episodes with, with May. Because she should have, Colson is your ride or die. You should have told him that you're seeing shit. But she sat there for, for a reason that I'm not understanding yet and just sat there and let, that mess manifest, whatever she's going through manifest is something that is life-threatening. With that being said, we won't have a plot if that had not happened, but I'm just thinking y'all could do something else. But, <laughs> go ahead, Cedro. Go ahead, because his eyes are already cocked. <laughs> oh, oh, all I was going to say was that, it, I mean, it's Ghost Rider, so I'm going to be excited <laughs> either way. Like all all that has to happen is that Ghost Rider needs to become Ghost Rider once every episode, and I'm good. It doesn't even matter what the storyline does. Okay. He just needs okay, to um, he, he just needs to pull a Wonder Woman once every episode. 
Yeah, I just hope except, he gets his arm strong. Except with first. more flames and hellfire. I think that he should get his own show. Even the first two episodes, I think that he needs to have his own show. And I'm thinking nine times out of ten, that's probably what um, Marvel has in store. Because even already, they got him for only two episodes, and they've written a damn character better than the I think, I just, in closing, I just think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. would probably be much better on Netflix. Maybe. And, a, a, a truncated season and, yeah, less filler. Okay, well, that's a good segue to the next to the Netflix series. I mean, we can talk about Doctor Strange afterwards, but how black is Luke Cage? Go ahead, Corey. Oh, because <laughs> your camera the, froze. I love the. I love the. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm here. You, yeah, yeah, okay. hear me? I'm good. I'm yeah, we hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> like how black is Luke Cage, Corey? Um, <laughs> I think. I think he's as black as he needs to be, in my opinion. Like I, I, I appreciate the fact that Mike Coulter is as chocolate as he is. Like I mean, yeah, I think he meant Luke I, Cage I think he meant the show itself, not Luke Cage personally. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> hmm. Yep, because I knew that. Uh, I was testing <laughs> uh, But um. No, the show. I think the show is. I think the show is very. I think the show is very black, but in a necessary way. I feel like it would be difficult to do the show justice, and I do feel like they did the show as absolute justice as they could. Um, I think. I think it needed to be. It had to absolutely be. Like you needed to have the representation of Harlem, the African American communities there, the Hispanic communities, which they also represent, the Asian communities. Like they. They. I think they represented it well. Now I feel like now maybe Harlem isn't nearly as black as it was portrayed, but I think that it's necessary to have portrayed it that way. Yeah. I think yeah. I mean I absolutely think it was necessary. It's kind of the whole point. Like Luke Cage got I mean, you know, got created, had popularity during the black the black exploitation era in the seventies, where like it needs to have that kind of feel in order to have that funky kind of righteous um groovy kind of personality that it had like the sweet christmas the without the, being even though without, but i think without it did being it without being a black exploitation of course, of course. yes no I, I believe it too i think it was more of an homage as opposed to a rendering if you will so i mean i i totally agree yeah i think it was beautiful i was um, i was i was skeptical about mike coulter because I didn't really see enough from him in Jessica Jones to let me know if he could act well enough to carry a show by himself. Yeah. But I think that he did a very good job as, you know, as Luke Cage. Um, I don't like after watching it, I always think to myself, is there anyone that I feel like could have done a better job? And with everything that he brings to the table, I don't like there, maybe there are better actors, but as far as people who look at people who deliver, on all you know, on all cylinders, all facets. I think that he did a bang up job, um, and I thought that was expertly casted. So, Luke Cage was so black that I laid on the couch and rolled around for half an hour in my own personal blackness. I felt as though the motherland had come through the television 
and embraced me. I cried a little bit. At 44, after having watched television for 40 years, this was truly the blackest thing that I had ever come across. And I was very surprised that Marvel and Disney allowed it to be as honest as it was. They had no choice, they, though. <laughs> they always have a choice. So please don't say they didn't have a choice. They always have a choice. Well, I mean, I don't think they had a choice in the manner of that they would have got drugged if they had to fuck that project up, but uh, because everybody was like riding on that. Um, but I'm glad that Cedro said uh, about how it was, how Harlem could see. I have never stepped foot in New York City, though, but every time I hear people talk about Harlem, they're talking about the roots, but I did not know that it had been gentrified off the hell. So, um, because I do remember them saying that they filmed certain areas of um, Luke Cage and certain other parts of New York City, <laughs> not necessarily in Harlem. So, but I just felt like it was the one of the best adaptations because it burned. If, if to me, it flows smooth. It flows a little bit more smooth than Jessica Jones did, but um, because like I like like we said, it's like it's like it's two seasons jam packed into one. Um, because they know we probably if they do if when they give us a second season, Luke Cage, we probably won't see it for a long time. Um, given the scheduling that Netflix have for the Netflix shows after next, next year is Iron Fist and the, and the Defenders, and sometime in between that, we're gonna get a Punisher show. Um, uh, and then in 2018, we're getting Daredevil and Jessica Jones. Now, hopefully, they'll do like Marvel's doing with the studio project with the movie projects instead of releasing two movies a year, they move on up to releasing three Netflix shows a year and whatnot. But until and Marvel gets their ducks in the road that we'll see. But I just thought that it was very well acted. It was very well written. And it just, there was so much nuance and ambience. And it just, just like, it was, like Barry said, just nerve overkill. Like, oh, God, I can't get enough of this shit. So, because, I mean, I was upset when my damn um, Netflix crashed while I was getting ready to watch episode eight. That shit hurt me. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, what the hell? I'm like, what's I'm like, does somebody need to call Netflix? I mean, y'all should have enough bandwidth to carry all this shit. I mean, <laughs> y'all all, raise you, all you people trying to watch that big black man crash uh, Netflix. We Get all back. became, we all just merged into one thing, being, it became Luke Cage, and then just tore up the goddamn Netflix server or something like that, but um, oh, we, I'll be <laughs> I'll be I'll be hitting up um some thrift stores to get some old hoodies so I can cut holes in them. So you can burn holes in. Yes. I, I got an old hoodie. Yeah, that's going to happen. <laughs> Is that your Halloween costume or are you talking about just on a regular basis? Like they said in the sh- like they said in the show, um, there's something there's something powerful about a bulletproof black man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I thought yeah. it was. I thought it was pretty. I thought it was pretty cool, especially the messages that it espoused and, you know, tried to impart 
on the viewer while like I thought I thought it did so many things great. Like it educated people about certain aspects of the history of Harlem. Mm -hmm. um, it sent messages out about current social issues that are going on. Um, and it wrapped it all up really beautifully, I feel, um, while still having a great story that happened to have a superhero or a budding superhero. And a number so, of the shots that they, a number of the shots that they did, just the random restaurants and stuff, uh, were all black owned, if I remember correctly. Because I remember sitting there, oh, I've been there. Oh, I've been there. Oh, I've been there. I don't want that. I've been there. Yeah, it was, it just, it celebrated us. It celebrated us as Black people. And they managed to get the shots without getting the whole foods on the corner um, in Harlem. I was just, I was just, I was just very happy about it. And then, you know, two days went by and the tweets started coming out. And then I felt I had to fight racism, which I'm never against. <laughs> Ever. Um, never, well, I'm never against that. Just, you know, it's, it's I, I will say this. I said it before. I don't think it's everybody. I think it is these millennials out here who have grown up in this whole knee-jerk reactionary status. Um, last year, when the Wiz, when NBC did the Wiz Live, and I remember some of the tweets that came out about that. Oh my God, they did this show. There's no white people in it. And my favorite tweet for the Wiz Live was, "Now, if we did an all-white version of the Wiz, we would be called racist." Which told me this was somebody who just had no idea, had no clue. Um, yeah, so again, 40 years of watching TV, I have gone to many a party where the whole cast is white, where they may have one black person, where there's one Lisa Turtle walking around. Right. You know, and then the minute that the, that the opposite happens, you know, it becomes very uncomfortable. There is a, a, a there's an article on the salon.com, uh, a white woman actually wrote in about confronting herself. She, she was like, well, you know, I'm white and I'm a liberal and I thought I was woke. Her words. She said, and then I started walking through Luke Cage because I had seen him and Jessica Jones and halfway through the first episode, I was very uncomfortable, but I couldn't figure out why I was uncomfortable. And then by the time I turned on the second episode, I realized, oh my God, there's no white people in this. Why is this bothering me? And she had to admit some stuff to herself that this was making her uncomfortable because she didn't understand what was going on because they were talking about some things that she wasn't getting. And this is not the world that she lives in. This is not the world that she grew up in. And she said, I'm going to, I'm going to keep watching this. I'm going to go 
on Twitter and talk about this show because I feel that if I am as woke as I think I am, I need to follow through on this. And that's when she started seeing some of the other tweets. And she's like, okay, I'm not alone, but I need to do this. And I was real proud of her. And I was glad she wrote the piece. I'm glad she did yeah. too. Um, I'm just, I mean, it was just ridiculous because I'm not going to lie. Not, we, like we talked about this in our dragging of the white tear situation. Um, I'm just shocked that somebody actually sat there and said that this was an issue. And I'm thinking like, now you call yourself a comic book fan. Just let me know several things. One, number one, you being a, you're a bandwagon Marvel fan. I was on the train until I started doing my research. I'm still doing my research. I'm not going to lie. I learn something new every time, I know, because Marvel was not the thing they sold here. That was, you know, DC, but I'm converting. Number two, it let me know that people um, don't read anything. They don't read or like they, they like, like um, Derek said earlier, it's a knee-jerk reaction. You know, people, so, do, people do not read. You're right. They do. Ever. They like because I'm thinking like, okay, Luke Cage. Um, you know, this show this about even the thing on the even the um blurb before you click on the show tells you where the show takes place at. Now, if you were as educated as you say you are, that you know Harlem, um, historically has black. High. It's like a you know it's a black mecca before you know people discovered Atlanta and other places stuff like that. But um, so you would know that maybe you're gonna see a lot of black people. You know what I'm saying? You're not gonna see. The well, let me ask, Mark. Let me ask you this. I'm a 25 year old white. Let's pretend. Why would I need to know anything about Harlem? No, you ain't got to know like like the in depth. No, 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 saying. no, no, not in depth. Why would I, why would I need to know anything about Harlem? Do I, have I ever had to do a book report on Harlem? Have I ever had to read a book? Or have I ever had to read a book or, or, or research a subject about something that took place in Harlem? Does the Harlem Renaissance hold any weight or meaning for me as a 25-year-old white person in the United States of America? We said it earlier. If you had to, if you call yourself aware, then you should know at least some. That's what I'm just saying. But I'm just saying, just reading the blurb. No, no, no. Like, and again, okay. and I and I understand it, and I want to make a and I want to make a second one because again, I I hear you. I understand where you're coming from, but you're coming from this as a perspective of a black person, and you know, and if you look at it from the perspective of a non-black. And now, yes, this show is taking place in Harlem. But how many shows, perfect example, uh, there was a tweet in particular that said, you know, I thought this was going to be more like Jessica Jones, where he was a supporting character. You know, I thought that he was going to have this show, but there was going to be all these other people, all these other characters around him. You know, which there were. They just were all black or Latino. They were all of color. Um, but again, you're introducing me. The uncomfortableness is that you are introducing me to a world that I am unaccustomed to. You are introducing me to a world that is unfamiliar to me. Because in every other thing I've ever turned on on television, 
I am the center of that universe. I, as a white person, am a center of that universe, even when there are other black people around. I am the center of that universe. There is a reason why Living Single started a year before Friends. But Friends seemed to be this whole new big thing when they were basically the same show. Because Living Single was over on Fox and only black people were watching it. Yeah. Um, but you know, like I said, it just there was to me in my personal opinion, which is no excuse for any of that. But I noticed uh, other things too. I just think that some people like just throw shit out there to get reactions out of people. Oh yeah, trolling and is a very common practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a very. That's, real I, that's how I looked at it. it. Was like, okay, y'all act that stupid. Y'all just doing this stuff because you want reactions. You want just to be an article. You want to be like, see, look, I made somebody. I made somebody upset. They wrote about five articles about it. See, you know, so I just don't look at stuff like that. But um, any other worries about Luke Cage when we move on? Because I just got a shitload of news on my um, inbox from our viewers. Oh, oh, jeez. Um, okay, okay for for a ton of uh, news. Yeah, uh, Wilson Sam is announced that they. This is coming from I think NC NCCC. So um, Daniel. Kalula, Florence Kasumba, and Forrest Whitaker have all been uh, um, joined the Black Panther cast. Mm. We all knew Florence was going to be back in the ditch. So yeah. we got Forrest Whitaker and Daniel Kalula. If you don't know who Daniel Kalula is, if you've not seen that trailer for um, Get Out this past week, the black guy in that movie, that's Daniel Kalula. Uh, I can't mention that and say my damn Nick, but he, they're all going to be in Black Panther. Also, there's talk that Sigourney Weaver might be joining the MCU, maybe as the original Wasp. They haven't confirmed oh, anything okay. yet. Okay. As you know, Sharon Stone has a contract with him, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We don't know what her role is yet. It might have to be something with um, um, Planet, maybe Thor Ragnarok or something like that. We don't know yet. But I mean, and we don't know exactly what Sigourney Weaver is going to do. So that's news coming from Comic Con. They ain't got everything confirmed or anything like that. Um, and the Flash and the Cyborg would, would be a team up movie. Okay. Um, yeah. And that's all from thank you, Brian Lawson and Wilson Sam for that information. And Wilson Sam was still flooded in pictures from um, Comic Con of um, her and Mackie and um, Peter Capaldi from Doctor Who. So I told him to stop. But anyway, because <laughs> he knows my heat, that's my heart. Anyway, um, one last thing um, Doctor Strange, um, they have started promoting with the TV spots and the very innovative um, trailers on Facebook. Because, I mean, the whole you know, rewinding trailer was hot. That was really cool. I enjoyed that. I have to admit. And I'm like, look, November 4th is not even that far away. It's like two weeks away pretty much. And I'm here for it. We know our boy Corey Scales is here for it because he has been geeking about the um the cloak. So what do you think, Corey Drummond, about Dr. Strong? <clears throat> I have to clear my voice for this because it's just so important. Um, but it's 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 gonna, in my opinion, it's gonna be the best movie, the best MCU movie, and arguably the best movie 
superhero wise of 2016. Like because of what it's going to do for the MCU, because of what's tying into it, the fact that Spider-Man is going to make a cameo, the fact that they're finally opening up the doors to magic in the magic. MCU. There's a lot of things that Doctor Strange is going to bless the MCU with. And I'm here for, I've arrived for all of it. Like Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange is one of the most perfect castings I've seen. And Marvel does a really great job of casting. But getting some really big names out there, getting some great actors with, you know, proven track records, plus making it a special, um, you know, he, he was con in, what was it, Into Darkness, Star Trek Into Darkness. So, you know, he's done action before. Mm -hmm. He has the ability to carry a story just as a brilliant actor. So, like him, you know, Chuito, Adriel Four, we've got Tilda Swinton, we have Mads Milkison. Like, it's just, it's just such a beautiful cast. And I know that they're going to kill it because everything I've seen so far has been nothing but outstanding. I'm sorry, Rachel McAdams, I forgot to mention her as well. But like it's just gonna be it's gonna be really, really good. And I think it's gonna it's gonna be like a Guardians of the Galaxy for the MCU. Like one of those things they kind of took a chance on. They've kind of one of the lower, lower marketed films, but will secretly be one of the better ones that's happened. It'll be like Ant-Man. It, it'll be like Guardians of the Galaxy. Because Guardians of the Galaxy was one of those ones where people were like, who are they? Oh, it's tied into the MCU. I guess I'll see it too, because there's space and stuff. And it looks like a talking raccoon. And then people oh, watched crazy. it, and they're like, whoa, oh. this is... They're like, whoa, this is really good. And then they realized that it tied into stuff. And Guardians of the Galaxy was, much, was a much bigger success, in my opinion, than Ant-Man. But Ant-Man did a similar thing where it was a lower budgeted film, you know, very small market or at least more small market tid than the others. But it ended up being a really well done film. You know, I give Paul Rudd props for co-writing the script or rewriting or doing rewrites after the, you know, original uh, writer backed out and et cetera, et cetera. Like, I think I think he I think he did a fantastic job um, in that as well. But I think that. Doctor Strange will be even better than that. Um, I don't know if it'll be as good. I don't know if it'll do as well as Guardians of the Galaxy did. But I feel like it has the potential to because the thing that I love about I think about the star the MCU, power will help it. Well, yeah, absolutely. But I think the power, the power in the MCU now is that the MCU is getting, is doing something that DC is not doing where they've established enough of themselves mm -hmm. to begin reaching out and doing weirder stories and characters and characters that people may have heard about but not necessarily know that much about like who would have ever thought that luke cage would have his own show or jessica jones right or daredevil even like the fact that we're watching these things and we're excited for them and we're amped for it like dc's not doing that with their stuff they are you know the the, the most the most unknown people that they told us about was green arrow so far and green arrow is not Cyborg. really that unknown and and cyborg, although with the with the advent of the new fifty two and Justice League War and the Atlanta saga, like cyborg has been introduced and Teen Titans, so people aren't necessarily completely. But I think that's for I mean I hear what you're saying, but I think that's for people like us that are more familiar with comics. If you ask someone just in passing, you know. They are aware of Superman, Batman. They're aware of Wonder Woman, but you know, you say Cyborg to them, and 
they don't really know what that is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the mere fact that the mere fact that you have that you can say Deadpool and people know what that is. Yeah. Like I've been watching, I've been watching, I've been reading Deadpool since it came out in '91, and it's crazy to me because he's always been my favorite. That now, you know, I can walk around and see people wearing Deadpool paraphernalia. You couldn't even buy that eight years ago. True. Ever. So like now, you know, I can walk anywhere, get like seven Deadpool shirts. You know, people dress up as Deadpool. People know who he is, and I think that that's kind of special and now even though that's the fox side of marvel um i still feel like you know guardians of the galaxy doctor strange it's gonna it's gonna break the doors open i'm excited to see the guardians of the galaxy volume 2 trailer during doctor strange as well as hopefully spider-man homecoming that would be great. <laughs> if they do that i think i would i would have od by the time the movie came on go ahead um, Mark, I was gonna say also if they if if they sign Sigourney on and they don't necessarily have a um, definitive role she's gonna be if they ex- if they decide to do what they're rumoring to do with the Spider Verse she could be Madam Web as well. That would be hot. That would be really hot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just love Sigourney Weaver in any goddamn thing she does. I just love it. I just love her. But I mean, well, that'd be hot. Speaking speaking of signing people to Marvel. I was reading up, I was looking for some NYCC news, mm-hmm. and apparently there is an actor who has made a pitch that he would like to join the uh, MCU as his, pres- as his predecessor has done. Um, your boy, not mine, Matt Smith, the 11th Doctor, is knocking on Marvel's door. Can you let me in? I would like to come in. David Tennant did a wonderful job. Can you do that for me? Mm. Um, yeah, I just I just wanted to point that out and be a little shady. <laughs> oh, well, well Miss, because I'm not a Matt Smith fan. Well, I mean, I would say this: I'm a Matt Smith fan, but I'm not going to sit there and get like, oh my God, Matt Smith is the best thing ever. He's the only doctor to that matters. I'm not one of those type of people. He did his role, but as a, when he left, I was like, bring on Capaldi. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because I was like, only, only to shut everybody else up, the bandwagon Doctor Who fans. Speaking of which, last piece of news, they released not one, but two trailers for mm. class. Mm. And they were off the fucking chain. What? I was like, I said, class is like Buffy the Vampire Slayer had an affair with Torchwood and had an, illegit- an illegitimate child that was called Once Upon a Time and then had a <laughs> no, I was just, it was just, it's all that rolled into one. And I cannot wait for this show to come out because I was a little salty when they were like, we'll give you class, but we're not gonna give you another Torchwood season just yet. And I was like, well, fuck you. I, I don't mean, know if we're going to get another Torchwood season. They trying, though. I think they're trying. Corey, are you familiar with Torchwood? Um, I am not. Uh, I mean, I'm. well, I'll say this. I haven't watched it. I'm okay. familiar with it because people have told me about it, but Corey. there's so much Corey. to watch. It's on my list. Corey. It's on my list to watch. Corey. And you don't have to watch an episode of watch, Doctor Who. Go ahead. You, I was going to ask, have you watched Doctor Who? I've seen it. Um, okay. I think I think we're about to fall out right now. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's terrible. I just feel like Doctor Who started 
at such a previous time to me that I'm not going to be able to get into it if I start from the beginning. Like, oh. I've seen episodes, like, I've seen more current episodes that I thought were, you know, they were pretty cool, you know, for sci-fi. I'm always down for sci-fi. Anything sci-fi with time travel attached, like, I'm, I'm there. But yeah, Doctor Who, for me, it just, it, you can't get into everything. Like, just because it's good and it's there doesn't mean that you're going to watch that everything. So that's that one true. of those shows for me that I just, it's probably not something I'm going to ever get into. But, I mean, mm -hmm. I appreciate it. I don't hate it. I don't have anything against it. That is true. I get, I get you. But I mean, you could just just sample just some Torchwood season one because it's very, very. I want to call it anti Doctor Who, but I think mm -hmm. it is the best spinoff. It's just extremely adult. It's extremely adult, but it has, to me, it's darker, and the 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 um show the show but the show was Rusty Davies so if you are a fan of Quirrell's folk and um banana and cu cucumber then you might be a fan of um that but Torchwood was just a great show class is going to follow it's like it's a darker version of Torch even though for teenagers but a little bit more like adult adult anyway so we saw those and then they finally gave us a damn um sizzle reel for the Christmas special which is called the return of Doctor Mysterio, and I cannot wait to see what the hell they do. I am um, so excited, but so angry at the BBC. Um, because how do you let how do you let a whole year go by? I mean, Doctor Who is one of their most successful shows. How do you let an entire year go go by without without, without making another season? I think that was Stephen. Um, Stephen, yeah, Stephen Moffat. um. He just he's doing too much because he had Doctor Who and Sherlock. Yeah, and now that I'm a Sherlock yeah, fan, but Sherlock, we had a whole lot of Sherlock. So I hear, yeah, no. Are you a fan of Sherlock, Corey? Have you watched any Sherlock? Oh, I, yeah. Oh, I've seen it all, including okay. the Christmas special where they went back in time, sort of. Yeah, I've seen it all. I have not um, seen love... that one yet. That's the only one. I've seen. <clears throat> um, Corey, Corey, I'm sorry. I actually have to go. I'm okay, so it's sorry. fine. No, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> um, because we're we're gonna we're gonna wrap up anyway, so it's it's good. It's good. Okay. So we we appreciate you coming in and joining us tonight. Yeah. Okay. I no want problem. you to come. I want you to come back again, but I kind of want you to watch Doctor Who. Though I'm sorry. I'm oh, gonna judge you just oh. a little bit, just it's so slightly. It's okay. Um, um okay. I'm I'm used to being judged. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Everyone does it. <laughs> okay. I'm glad you. I'm glad you're okay. Well, thank you guys. It's been great, and see you later. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five star review on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And make sure to visit MailMediaMind.com, where you can find more about our content on YouTube. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode.